Amen. Let's let all of our choir and our singers know one more time what a fantastic job they did this morning. Very well done. And uh, that, that, was, that was awesome. We're going to take a moment now to dismiss our children who are in sixth grade and down to head upstairs with our adult leaders to be a part of our kids' crew worship time. And so they're going to make their way to the front, and then they're going to head upstairs to join our leaders to be a part of kids' crew. As they're doing that, I want to encourage you to turn your Bible this morning to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 will be our beginning point, and then we will turn to Philippians chapter 4, just a few pages from that text in Ephesians this morning. We're looking at peace. That's the theme of the day, as I mentioned earlier. It's the theme of uh, this day in our Advent calendar, and certainly it is the theme of this morning. It will be the theme of our message this evening as well. If you come back tonight, we are working our way through the Beatitudes on Sunday evenings. And tonight, the Beatitude that we will look at is Matthew 5, 9, which says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And so we'll be talking about peace and what it means to be a peacemaker even tonight if you come back for that. But this morning, what does it mean to understand that Jesus brings peace? You know, there are a lot of cliches in Christendom. There are a lot of things that have become so familiar to us that in, in some way, maybe these truths become almost cliche. They become almost, almost, uh, almost, if we're not careful, something that we take for granted, something that we become, even that we, we treat it uh, we, casually or cavalierly even almost as though it loses some of its significance, some of its weight, just because the truths become so familiar. There's a lot of things like that in, in our Christian world and our Christian faith. A lot of things that we, that we repeat. Now, repetition is a good thing. It's good that we would repeat and remind ourselves of these truths over and over. It's good that we would go back to the truth of the gospel again and again, and that we would behold it for, for its abundant riches of all that it teaches us and all that it shows us and the way that it instructs and guides our life of faith. So I'm not, I'm not meaning to be anti-repetition or liturgy in any way, but sometimes in those cycles of faith and teaching, we, we get a little accustomed to things and, and we don't think on them as much. Peace tends to be one of those things. That The, the idea of God's peace. This morning at our men's breakfast, I shared with our men that Jesus gives us peace as one of his many great gifts to us. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says to his disciples, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give you peace. Jesus gives us peace as a gift. It's his gift to us that we know peace through the life of faith that we have with him. And so I want us to really focus on that this morning. One of these Christian cliches, one of these sayings that we've all heard, 
says, no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. And, and when we say it out loud, some of the meaning is lost because it's written in such a way that we would understand that the first no Jesus, no peace is no as in knowledge, right? K-N-O-W. And the second is just the word no, N-O. So to know Jesus means to know peace. And without Jesus, we don't have any peace. And although certainly that is a, that, that is a, a tried and truth axiom of our Christian faith. That is, that is as true as the gospel itself. The, the reality is that sometimes we, we lose the deeper meaning of that truth because we become so familiar with it. I hope this morning as we focus on Jesus' advent bringing us peace, the fact that as, as we saw in the song that we sang, that that Jesus comes as our deliverer, that, that he is a thrill of hope. He is the one who gives us hope, who informs our hope. I hope that as we focus on these truths, that this morning we will consider the peace of Jesus in a new, in a fresh way, and how it has the power to change our lives in every way as we live in the peace that Jesus brings. Now, one of the things that we have to acknowledge when we really start to dig in and, and focus on the peace of Jesus is we have to understand what peace is, really. What does it really mean to say that we have peace? Sometimes, again, if we aren't careful, sometimes we treat peace as though peace means the absence of all conflict and the absence of all hardship and to have peace in that very in, in that very shallow way that we, that we might identify peace means that we have peace when we don't have any trouble. But that's not the peace that Jesus promises his disciples. The, the, the peace that Jesus promises his disciples is a peace that transcends their troubles. It was in John 14, 27 that I quoted to you that Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you peace. In a few chapters later in John chapter 16, verse 33, really in the same setting, in the same moment of teaching, Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you the truth, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Peace cannot mean the absence of conflict, the absence of trouble, or else Jesus himself is a liar because Jesus said to his disciples, you will have trouble, you will face hardship, but take heart because even in the midst of your hardship, you can have peace. I have overcome the world. So peace doesn't mean an absence of conflict. Peace doesn't mean an absence of trouble. Peace does not mean that we will never struggle. To have peace, the peace that God gives, doesn't mean that we will live a life that's free from struggle, free from trial. In fact, I would, I would argue that in reality, to the degree that we walk faithfully with the Lord, that we really are, are seeking to draw near to him and to live a life of faith and, 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 and live in the abundance of his peace, we will face more opposition, it seems, from my own experience, because that's when the enemy really goes to work. The enemy doesn't want us to know peace. The enemy doesn't want us to know the joy of the Lord. The enemy doesn't want us to live in light of the hope of Christ. And so he's going to go to work overtime in our lives, trying to derail our faith, trying to derail our peace. And so peace doesn't mean that life is great all the time. It doesn't mean that we won't have hardship. It doesn't mean that we won't face difficulty. It doesn't mean that we won't have pain, that we won't have struggle. Peace instead means that in the midst of all of that, there is, there is a confident 
assurance that we have that is not based in our circumstances. There is a confident assurance that we have that in spite of all that we may go through in this life, ultimately, Jesus, our Savior, has won the victory on our behalf. That we have peace, not because life seems peaceful all the time. We have peace, not because we have an absence of hardship and struggle and, and, and trial. We have peace because even in the midst of that, we have Jesus. And that is the peace that I want us to focus on this morning. That is the peace that the gospel speaks of and that the gospel writers remind us of when they instruct us to live in light of the peace that Jesus brings. And so we begin this morning in Ephesians chapter 2. And the first thing that I want us to see about peace is that peace is ultimately the purpose of Jesus' propitiation. That peace, the abiding peace of Christ, the, the, the confident assurance that we have ultimately is the purpose of Jesus' work for us on the cross. The word propitiation even means his sacrifice, his atoning sacrifice. That Jesus stood in our place on the cross. He took the punishment that you and I deserve. First John chapter 3 verse 10 tells us. That we know what love is because Jesus gave himself as the propitiation for our sins. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse, let's begin in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. Paul says to the church at Ephesus that we have peace because Jesus himself is our peace. We have peace and we know peace because we know Jesus. It is ultimately the purpose of Jesus' atoning work on the cross is so that we might have peace. And we need to understand peace in this light. Peace in this sense that Paul writes about it. Peace in this sense that the gospel writers in the New Testament frames peace means a right relationship with God. The confident assurance we have that we are right with God because of the work of Jesus who gave himself for us. It is the purpose of his propitiation that he would give his life as a sacrifice for our sin. And it is because Jesus has offered his life for us that we might have peace. It's the purpose of his work, ultimately. Jesus lived on this earth as a man. Jesus endured suffering and hardship and temptation. Jesus took the scorn and the shame of the cross. And ultimately, Jesus rose victorious from the grave so that you might have peace so that you might be made one with the Father through faith in him. And it's through that work that we experience peace. So we possess peace through placing our faith in Jesus Christ. How do we have peace? How do we know peace? Well, if if the purpose of Jesus' propitiation, if the purpose of his work is to offer us peace, then we possess peace by placing our faith in Jesus Christ by trusting him as Lord and Savior, by turning to him for the forgiveness of our sins and away from our former ways, by asking him to truly be the Lord, the Savior, the the boss of our life, by confessing him as Savior and Lord. 
We possess his peace through placing our faith and our trust in Jesus. Peace is the purpose of Jesus' propitiation. Not only that, peace is the product of praise. Now turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 teaches us about peace. Philippians chapter 4 gives us this instruction, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Peace is the product of our praise. And this is what I mean when I say that, that peace comes in our lives. Peace washes over us when we turn our praise to the Lord, when we choose not to focus on all that is wrong in our lives, but all that was made right through the atoning work of Jesus. Peace comes in our hearts when we express our gratitude and our thanks to the Lord for all that he has done for us, when we offer our praise to him. Listen, we don't praise God because we always feel like it. We praise him because he's worthy of our praise. We don't praise God just when things are good and just when it seems like life is going smoothly or else, honestly, we wouldn't praise the Lord enough. We praise God through the hardship, through the pain, through the doubt, through the struggle, through the difficulty, because he's worthy of praise. And peace comes in our hearts when we choose to focus on our Savior and not our circumstance. Peace is the product of praise, Paul writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord's at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So much of the time, we focus on verse 7, but we forget verses 4 through 6. We want to focus on the peace of God, which surpasses understanding. And right, we should, because that peace has the power to sustain us. But we forget that that peace comes when we focus on the Savior and not on the circumstance. And so the way that we possess peace is through praising God for his provision, giving him praise, giving him thanks making our requests known to him, recognizing his power over the things that we endure in this life, recognizing his power over our situation, his power over our feelings and our emotion, his power over our relationships, his power over our work situation, over our struggles, over our financial woes, over our conflicts with others, over all the things that we might face in this life. The Lord is powerful over all of it. And we praise him because he's worthy of praise. And when we focus on praising him, then our eyes are lifted. Our gaze is directed upward. And we recognize that even though we may endure hardship in this life, it will be temporary. There is coming an end to all of this pain and all of the struggle and all of the strife and everything that we face in this life someday will be over. 
And all that will be left will be an eternity in the presence of our Savior, where we will experience the joy of our reward in him. That is why we praise him. Because what Jesus makes available to us, and when we focus on the peace that we have in him, suddenly the problems of this life don't seem quite as pressing. The problems in this life don't seem quite as puzzling. The problems in this life don't seem quite as perplexing in our lives when we focus on the Savior who sustains us even through our difficulties. Peace is the product of our praise. It washes over us when we praise the Lord. Third, I want us to see that peace is the proof of God's presence. Peace is the proof of God's presence. And this is what I mean. We know that we have the presence of God because we experience his peace. Focus particularly on the wording and even the particular word order in verse 9. Because the word order especially is, is significant here. He says that in all of this, he says that the God of peace will be with you. Not that the peace of God will be with you, but the God of peace will be with you. It would be enough for us if God would give us his peace. And he does. Through the work of his spirit, as we trust in Jesus Christ, it's a product of that saving faith. It is, it, it, it is really one of the many abundant promises that we experience through faith in Jesus is the peace of God. It would be enough if God gave us his peace. But God doesn't just give us his peace. He gives us his presence. He gives, he gives us himself. And be sure of this. Wherever the presence of God is, the peace of God reigns. And so you want to know the peace of God in your life? It comes through experiencing his presence. We possess peace through knowing the presence of God in our lives. So much of the time, we want the peace, and so we work and we strive and we focus on the peace. God, give me peace. I'm seeking peace. Lord, I'm praying for peace. And instead, what we should do is pursue God. God, I want you. I want more of you and less of me. I want to be emptied out that I might be filled with you. Jesus, I want to focus on you. I want to think about you. I want to celebrate you. I want my life's testimony to be about you. If we would focus our lives on the Lord, then we would know the peace of God because wherever the presence of God is, the peace of God reigns. And so the way to peace is not pursuing it somehow as though it exists apart from, from the Lord. The, the, the path to peace is the pursuit of a relationship with God, to pursue his presence daily in your life. More of him, less of me. Peace is the proof of God's presence. You want to know someone that knows peace? Then show me someone who walks closely with the Lord. You want to see someone who has the peace that passes understanding? And show me someone who praises the Lord even through their struggle. Peace is the proof of God's presence in our lives. And finally, we see that peace is the privilege of proximity. I'm running out of P words here, right? I'm really not, actually. I could keep going. Peace is the privilege of proximity. And this is what I mean. That we know peace when we walk closely with the Lord. 
It's not just about having a saving knowledge of Jesus, but I'm talking about walking in close fellowship with him. That's when the peace comes, when we walk in close proximity to him, when we pursue a relationship with him, when we trust Jesus by faith and we pursue him daily, spending time in prayer, spending time in his word, meditating on his truth. That's when the peace of God comes in our hearts, just as he says in verse eight. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, think about these things. And then in verse 9, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. As we walk in step with the Lord, as we, as we discipline ourselves to practice our faith, when we, when we make it our daily discipline to pursue the Lord and spend time in prayer, spend time in his presence, to, to read and study the word of God, to meditate on his truth, to focus on all that God has given us and not all the things that we would rather have, then we really begin to experience his peace because peace is the privilege of proximity. It is the privilege of those who walk closely with the Lord. As we walk in step with him, as we walk in fellowship with him, then we will know his peace in our hearts. So we possess peace through pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. We possess his peace by pursuing a relationship with him. Oh, that we would know the, the peace that Jesus brings, the peace that he freely gives to us as a gift the peace that he suffered and died on the cross that we might know it and know it abundantly and richly that we might live in light of the peace of God through faith in Jesus Christ Jesus truly is a thrill of hope he is the one who the one who brings us hope the one who secures our peace with his work on the cross today. I hope that you would know Jesus and that you would know his peace. In a moment, we're gonna have a time of response, a time of invitation. And in our time of invitation today, our altars will be open. If you'd like to come, maybe, maybe the Lord is, is speaking to you this morning and he's working in your heart in a specific way. And, and you want this to be the moment where you just, where you just pour out your praise to him. Would you... Would you feel the freedom this morning to use this altar as the place where you can just pour out your heart before the Lord, where you can thank him for his goodness, where you can point your praises to him, where you can, where you can say to him, Lord, I want to know you and your peace. I want to walk closely with you in proximity to you. I want to pursue you daily that I may experience the joyful reward of that peace that you bring. Maybe you're here today and you recognize there's never been a moment in your life where you've truly trusted in Jesus by faith, where you've never really surrendered your life to him. Today, if you're ready to experience his peace by surrendering your life to him, and while we sing this song of invitation, I would encourage you to come. I'll be here at the front. Brad will be here at the front. We would love to pray with you, just to take you by the hand. You can just simply say, I want to know God's peace. And we'll be happy to walk you through a prayer of dedication where you just simply say, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sin. And right now, I confess you as the Lord of my, of my life. I turn away from my sin. I turn to you, Jesus, asking you to save me and set me free. 
And you will know his peace as he gives you the promise of his Holy Spirit, as he seals you with that Holy Spirit, as he makes you his own, that you might live daily in that peace that he purchased on the cross. And if that's you, then and I would invite you to come during our invitation in just a moment. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And after I do, we'll stand and we'll sing a, a great song of faith, a song of, uh, of worship, truly, a song of praise and dedication before the Lord this morning. And even as we do that, as we sing, if the Lord is speaking, then I pray that you would come. Would you join me now as we pray? Lord, we are so grateful.